Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. This episode is brought to you by Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within, and Turn Your Biggest Struggles into Your Greatest Gifts. Surprise, surprise, that's my new book. It's now live. You can grab a copy on Kindle, paperback, or hardcover. I'm getting a lot of amazing feedback from people telling me that it hit them really hard in the beginning, that they started to cry and all of that. Although that wasn't my intention, it just means that you know it's powerful from the start. And people have been telling me how, how much they've enjoyed it. And, you know, that's why I did it. And, you know, we put our, put a lot of effort into this book and um, it's one of the, you know, the best achievements of my life. So thank you for everybody that have purchased a copy. If you haven't yet, go ahead and grab a copy. The link to Amazon is below and you won't be disappointed and you'll get to learn a little bit more about why I do what you do. And if you want to support this show in any way, financially, that's a great way to do it. So Mastering adversity, unlock the warrior within, turn your biggest struggle into your greatest hits, greatest gifts. Hits would be cool too. It's a number one bestseller on Amazon. We hit it in a bunch of categories and uh, it's really, really exciting. So thank you and go grab a copy. All right. Hey everybody. Before we get into today's episode, I want to share with you a company and a product that I am super excited about that I have personally used and had incredible results from. And I think you will too. The company is called HVMN, and the product is called Ketone IQ. You can find them at hvmn.com. Like I said, it's called Ketone IQ. They have a few products, but this is the one I'm going to speak to right now. I have been fascinated with the ketogenic diet over the years and figuring out, is keto right for me or is burning carbs right for me? And for those of you that don't know the difference, we're either burning sugars, which is carbs, or burning fat, which is ketones. In order to get into ketosis, it's usually a difficult process. I want to keep this as simplified as I can for you guys. A lot of people try the, keto, the ketogenic diet, but they're not able to withstand the discomfort that it takes to get into it. Sometimes you have to fast for a couple of days, eat a lot of fat, and so on. But now, this product allows you to have drinkable ketone shots that gets you there right away fast without having to do like a crazy long fast. I know it sounds a little bit crazy. And believe me, I've tried so many different supplements out there from MCT oils to exogenous ketones to ketone esters, all of it. This product is the best. And here's why. I, dur during my 75 hard journey, I really wanted to try out the different diets. I personally love eating meat, fruit, eggs. That's like my, probably my, my favorite diet for sustainability while I travel. But when it comes to cognitive function and body composition goals, weight loss, if I want to lose body fat and I really want to be dialed in, there's no better diet for me. Or there's no better lifestyle than being on the ketogenic diet. Now, this is sometimes challenging to sustain because there's so much junk out there that, um, especially in these bars that we eat, you go to Whole Foods, a lot of it's junk. A lot of this oils that are in it, it's junk. It's hard to stay in that zone. But with these guys, they have these, these bottles 
where you can pour little shots of these ketones when you're um, either before a workout or during a workout, it'll give you that boost and it'll take away that hunger instantly. And I tried this. I went on a, in a fasted state. I was boxing. I was doing two workouts a day with 75 hard. And I would use this product and I would literally be in a fasted state the entire day doing two workouts. Now, I don't recommend doing this for the average person, but if you're an athlete and you want to achieve high performance, I encourage you to, to push your body to the limits. And that's what I did. So I would work out and then I go boxing and I, and I'd be scared because, oh man, I didn't, I, I'm super low on my carb storage right now. I, I, I haven't had any carbs and I've been training a lot. So I would, I would be afraid to go do a high intense workout like boxing. But then I had a shot or two, two doses of this. And I immediately was like, wow. Okay. And it was just enough to get me through the workout. And I'm talking high intensity as well. Normally when I'm in the ketosis state, I run out of energy. So I almost need a little bit of carbs. If I'm training hard, this product really helped me a lot. And not only was it, did it help me with my fitness goals? I leaned out a lot, but it helped me with my cognitive function. Now I love eating carbs. I love training and eating carbs as well. But like I said earlier, sometimes it takes away my mental focus. So this, like, say I wanted to do a podcast, I would have this with some tea or a coffee and I was just dialed in. Okay. So if you guys are curious about the ketogenic diet um, and, or you, and you're, you're curious about how to get into that um, state of burning ketones versus carbs, this is the product to check out. I highly recommend it because there's a lot of things out there I've tried. A lot of them are junk. Some of them are good. There's no caffeine in this or anything like that. And it really just gets to the source and helps you achieve that. So when I use these, I was like, wow, these, these things are amazing. Like, I don't say that lightly because I've literally treated myself like a human guinea pig and tried it all. And sometimes I'm like, man, this stuff doesn't work. And, but this stuff, I really noticed it. The problem is I went through it so fast. It, <laughs> it, it went quick. And because it's so high quality, it's not the most, it's not the cheapest product, but you're paying for quality. And I want to offer this to you guys for 10% off at checkout. And I really want to hear how you feel about this, because if you're anything like me, you really want to achieve optimization. And as we talk about, you know, what it takes to overcome adversity, you got to be operating. Your vessel needs to be operating at peak performance because life can get challenging sometimes, our mindset, all of it. And if we can have things that can help us stay focused, stay high energy, it's going to help us move through the adversity. And so I, I only like to promote products that I feel really help me and that I think would help you. So go grab some Ketone IQ. These guys are awesome. Go HVM, HVMN.com, Ketone IQ, enter the code Lance at checkout for 10% off. That's L-A-N-C-E for a 10% discount at checkout. Go to HVMN.com, Ketone IQ, enter the promo code Lance at checkout for 10% off. I promise you, you won't be disappointed and I freaking love these products. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. 
For those of you that are new to the podcast, welcome. All you regular listeners, welcome back. If you guys aren't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to go do so wherever you listen to this, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you stay notified and it helps the show grow and reach more people. Before I get into today, to today's episode, I just want to apologize for my voice in this intro. I've been fighting a bit of a cold. I feel great right now, actually. I just, my voice doesn't sound that great. So that's why it sounds like I have a frog in my throat. But uh, that being said, um, I feel great. And we have an amazing episode for you today. We got Darren Prince joining us a little bit about him. He is a prominent sports and celebrity agent and global advocate for addiction and recovery. Through his agency, Prince Marketing Group, he represents icons such as Magic Johnson, Hulk Hogan, Charlie Sheen, Dennis Rodman, Chevy Chase, and the late Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, to, to name a few. I said that funny. Muhammad Ali. I don't know why I said it like that. Through his new cause, he has become a sought-after speaker on addiction, recovery, and mental health. Today's conversation, we dive into Darren's life growing up in New Jersey, how work ethic can set you apart from others. We go into how he went from being addicted to sobriety, his path through spirituality that has led to freedom in his life. And we talk about also the benefits of using psychedelics in your life also. You guys, this is a powerful episode and Darren and I um, share a lot of similarities and um, I can really relate to his story. We connected pretty deep on this, this conversation. So if you guys don't follow him yet, go check him out. All his information is in the show notes before below. His Instagram is at agent underscore DP. So you can go check him out. And like I said, he's worked with some of the greatest, the greatest of all time, <laughs> literally. So, um, and what I really liked about this conversation was his vulnerability and the you know, being able to open up and share his truth. And as you guys, if any of you know me, that's really what, what I do. I do my best to do. And when I hear people like Darren share their truth, it really just makes me realize that um, that's the real path to freedom is being able to share your vulnerable truth and, and in hopes that somebody that hears your story will help them make a different decision to change their life in a different way. And this story that you're about to hear is really powerful and I'm confident that it's going to help. So if you are struggling with addiction or any of that, this is one you want to listen to right till the end, but I highly recommend regardless, listening to this right till the end and let us know what you think. If you guys get value from this, please share this with somebody that needs it. Or if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on Apple or review us on Spotify whatever you can do just to give back to the show and show that you got value. All right, here we go. The road to recovery from addiction with Darren Prince. Thanks everybody. If you guys got value from that, please leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated or review us on Spotify. Also we're available on YouTube. So if you want to go there, but subscribe wherever you listen to this or watch this and it's greatly appreciated. Also Darren's Instagram agent at, or sorry, at agent underscore DP and all his information's in the show notes below wherever you're watching this or listening to this. And yeah, what a powerful episode. 
like I said in the intro, it was, it's really amazing to hear somebody's vulnerability like that. And it really gives people permission to want to share their truth. And, you know, I know that's how I decided to start sharing my stories because I felt like I got permission from certain people in the world that shared their story. And um, it's powerful. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate you. And yeah, let us know what you think. All right. Much love. Catch you next time. Darren, welcome to University of Adversity, brother. Looking forward to diving in your story, man. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. And looking into, man, it's into your story and what you've been through, who you've surrounded yourself with over the years and kind of where you're at now is such an important conversation to have because I think a lot of people they don't understand addiction, you know, and they don't understand how people can be addicted and still perform at high levels mm -hmm. and how you can kind of, you know, you can play in this world and, and nobody knows anything. Well, some do, some don't, but you can still get by. So with your story and just seeing what you have been able to accomplish, it's amazing. But then, you know, eventually having your breakdown. So what I would what I would like to kind of start at is so you were 14 when you first kind of got addicted to that feeling of when you first sort of feel like an escape, right? And mm -hmm. what I'd love to do is before we go there, maybe can we start before as to like what you growing up as a kid in New Jersey? Because I always like to kind of hear about what that childhood was like before the addiction happened. So if you could start mm -hmm. there, what was it like for a young Darren? growing up in New Jersey and yeah, walk us through that a little bit. So I had, I had a great childhood, man. I mean, I had guy friends, different girls I was friends with from the outside. You would have thought all was perfect. Great mother and father. My father passed in 17, you know, sister that I'm still very close with this day. She just got married to her husband, Jeff, a few weeks ago. And you really would have just thought I was just this happy go lucky kid, but I was crippled by anxiety and never felt worthy and never felt comfortable in my own skin and probably over coddling by my mom. I became a mama's boy. I think the biggest factor was I was put in a very small classroom. I was told I had a severe learning disability. So a lot of my guy friends that were in the bigger rooms, but you know, girl, girls that I was friends with, it made me feel different from the gecko. made me feel like, why am I in a class with six people? And the rest of my friends are in a room with like 50 or 60. And then there was times I would be in the big classrooms. And there was a teacher, I won't mention her name, I remember in, in history, might have, might have been 10, 11, or 12, and started walking around with all the tests. And it was me, my best friend, John, and a couple other friends I'm still close with in the last row, and literally singled us out in class and said, I will get you guys in the last row, your test in a little bit. Let me get it to the rest of the class. So, you know, you're dealing with something like that and you don't speak up. What that does is it immediately isolates you and it, it, it gives you a, a feeling of low self-worth, low self-esteem, which is why I'm so passionate to speak in keynotes. You know, I've done hundreds of keynotes over the past three years because I want them to speak up, where, whereas I didn't. And I took that with me a, 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 into the real world. And at 14, you know, it all happened at sleepaway camp. I found the answer. I found the solution from having severe stomach pain. One night, a counselor took me to the infirmary and the nurse gave me this green liquid and a clear cloth syrup cup and I didn't think anything of it. I took it, man. But within five minutes, my life changed forever. Walking across the softball field back to the bunk 
that green liquid introduced me to the world. And I felt just as smart, just as funny, just as good looking, just as popular. I felt probably even better than everybody else. I got back to the funk. I'm a funny guy. The guys are laughing with me, not at me. I flirted with girls at the funk next to me for the first time. And I realized that that green liquid introduced the world to Darren Prince. And I need more of it. You know, the very next night with no stomach pains, I learned how to kai lawn, kai and lie. And I healed over in the bunk bed. I told the counselor I needed, needed to go back. My stomach was killing me. There was no pain. And I did that for three straight weeks until mom and dad came for visitation day and found that I was taking liquid Demerol. What is that exactly? I've never even really heard of it. Did they it's st- a hard car opiate. You know, oh, wow. no different awesome. than oxy. It's no, no different than oxycontin. It's morphine. Make oh. it in percocets. Percocets. And uh, no, back then, yeah, it was still a controlled substance, but there was no opiate epidemic. I mean, you know, a lot of times when I speak to younger groups, and there's moms that that that'll hear the stories, they cringe, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. It has nothing to do with the mom because the same thing happened in a dentist appointment four months after Chalupu. I can't let my wisdom teeth removed, them. my mom gave me these white pills and. Again, thinking nothing of it, I was in some discomfort and pain. That same feeling came back. I'm on the phone calling up everybody. I'm the cool one, popular one. Had all these great ideas about life. And the next day I went down to eat practice and I saw there were three pills left. And same thing. Put on the crocodile's ears. I tell my mom, tooth is killing me. I think I have a bad infection and I'm holding my cheek. And what loving mother wants to see their child suffer. And took him back to the dentist. I got another two, three days of those pills that were extra sent Vicodin. And you know, one in three kids that goes to a dentist appointment now and gets a procedure like that done, they get prescribed opiates to become opiate addicts. One in three. That's how high the statistics are. And I was one of them. Yeah, I really resonate with your story as to where you said it's the first time that you kind of feel like yourself or you can kind of be comfortable around people. Because it was like that for me with booze. I didn't even know. I didn't even realize that until booze happened. And I was like, oh, shit. It like made me feel different. And then it's interesting because looking at that and hearing your story, it's like, it's, it's interesting to pinpoint that moment when it's, you, you can remember exactly where that all, that all started with the timeline. And that's yep. what happens to so many people, but they don't even remember that shit. When was that time where things just started to go this way? And then South. Yeah. It's crazy to yep. think about. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I still can't remember. I mean, you know, for the next five or six years after that bike and experience, I tell people I was living like a rock star. I started a huge baseball card company, became a multi-million dollar company by the time I was in my senior year in high school. And now I thought I was the man and everybody that made fun of me is either working for me or, you know, just admiring everything I've accomplished and drugs, alcohol, whatever it was, you name it, I did it. And I thought it made me wittier, smarter, more intelligent. My creative juices flowed when I was designing ads for, you know, conventions and different advertisements that I was taking to sell different cards. I was buying and selling and flipping and finding investors back then, like Wall Street guys. And, you know, but it was all part of double life getting started. And for me, it all came crashing down at 21 the first time, but I wasn't accountable enough to realize that I got a problem. Mm. How are you able to keep your head in track? Like, how are you able to be able to get stuff done still? Because a lot of people wouldn't be able to, they would completely crumble, not be able to do their work. Like, how did you even, how did you be able to create so much success? Were you, were you balancing it out with booze and other drugs or like, how are you able? Yeah. I mean, back then I was doing a lot of 
illegal drugs because I wasn't an agent yet at that point. Right. So whether, you know, I was doing everything, whether it was ecstasy, booze, Quaalude, Xanax, Valium, Coke, you know, I basically, I basically did whatever I had to do to basically have that false sense of confidence and that unstoppability to just be, you know, a networker. And I think I was highly functioning. There was really no repercussions, you know. It's kind of part of it. I, yeah, and I, and I got, I got arrested four times at 21 and six months. I wasn't accountable. The The judge put me in an outpatient program for a year, said if I get arrested one more time, that I would wind up in prison for six months. So I took it seriously. I went about 11 months or so to, you know, I got to a point where I thought I graduated. They told me I can, you know, I was done with the program. And this thinking uh, made me think, ah, oh, great idea. Called my friend Dave. Went out that night to New York City. We celebrated with Xanax and some mind erasure shots. And sure enough, our minds were erased because Dave fell asleep in a ditch on the way home. My face went through the windshield. I woke up in the ICU with a massive concussion, 90 stitches, split lip, glass all over my head. And first people I see are my mom and my dad. So anybody listening, that's what addiction does. It destroys families. And there was nothing they can do because now their son had notoriety, money, and some power within his industry. And I had zero accountability. I just thought, oh, it's stupid. We shouldn't have been driving with him, you know, being tired like that and, and a little bit banged up. And the truth is I literally just completed the outpatient program 24 hours before. Then eventually I got into the agent life a few years later from booking all the different autograph signings that I did for my celebrity magic became my first client, Patrick Johnson. And, you know, now I was like, okay, I got to be smart. I've got the morality clauses. I can't be taking illegal drugs. I legitimately had sciatica from working out stress and every doctor saw my life. And how could this guy have a problem? Look at what he's built. He's got magic, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Chevy Chase, Pamela Anderson. Pam was the queen of the world and anything I needed. Percocets, Vicodins, Opsies, they became my best friends. And, and that worked. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm very careful when I speak to high school kids because they hear my journey and they hear my story. And they think, well, hey, if he lived this way and built what he built, but what they don't realize at some point on that journey, building Prince Marketing Group, what was once living to use turned out to using to live. And I don't know when it turned, but I do remember specifically the night I lost my superpowers. I was in an event with smoking Joe Frazier, may he rest in peace in Dallas, Texas. And as I would always do, I would, you know, get my pills ready before I went downstairs. Sometimes I would snort them and took a couple oxys and waited for 20, 30 minutes for them to kick in. And it was like, it became my kryptonite. And long after that, I was chasing that, that feeling to get it back. And I just can never get back to the glory days. Now it's about maintaining and refraining from going into horrific detox. And at that point it became pure hell. And it was literally living in double life. Wow. That must have been crazy too at that time. Just <laughs> being in that environment. Cause it was a free for all, I bet. Just people yeah. fucking partying like crazy. Oh yeah. Just like everything in your face. The 90s were nuts, right? So this would have been like mid early 90s. Yeah, mid nineties, mid to late nineties, man. And again, as somebody as somebody with low self-esteem, brokenness lack of confidence. Everything was coming from the external sex sense. Every guy's looking at me, wanting to be part of my circle, wanting to have my life. It, it, it was the drugs. It was the alcohol. It was partying. It was the women. Everything that I thought I needed to live up to this image that, hey man, I arrived. 
you know, look at you and look at me. I was the dumb one. I was the one that wasn't going to make it. I was the one in the small classrooms. And, you know, Chase Shedd is a dear friend when I did a podcast. You know, he found that so fascinating because most people are faking it till they make it. Well, I made it and I'm still looking backwards at the people that said I would never make it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, what did you, what do you think that you had differently that made you create so much success? Because look at these people that you're attracted in your life, man. Like what, what were you doing? Like, how are you, what can you look back now at yourself then and be like, man, I was the best at this. I was, you know, what did your, what did your work ethic look like? And how did you? I, 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 it was, yeah, my work ethic was relentless and it still is to this day. Everybody that knows me, I'm, I'm a machine. I mean, you know, and I think a lot of it I attribute to my late father. Uh, I talk about that in my, my, my recent book, Mission Matters. It was all relationship building. Because my dad told me anybody can make their money. You know, you just basically have to utilize their name, knock down doors, be a networking machine, you know, learn the right companies to pitch. And eventually it just became word of mouth. But I care. Anybody will tell you that. You know, if you were talking to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Chevy Chase, Denise Richards, Climate Electric, Charlie Sheen, like, no, anybody, Jerry West and I spoke two days ago for 30 minutes now calls are about life. It's, it's been everything to make today's the Hulk Hogan's birthday. And, uh, you know, first mess, first message this morning, I was with him in San Antonio last weekend, you know, it's always, what's up brother. Gives me a big hug. You look great. I love you. We don't even talk business. You know, it's the day after Thanksgiving this year, I flew down to see him and went to the house to, to be around him and Brooke and Brooke cooked this dinner. And, you know, I get to know the real urban Johnson, not magic Johnson that the world gets to see. And building that trust and that bond and seeing that I had that same work ethic in business that they had at their perspective sports to become the greatest of the greats. I think they admired that. It, it was just a constant mindset to hustle, to know that I'm only as good as my last deal, you know, celebrate it, but then go out and get something else and create other opportunities. And along the way, building that trust, that bond to care about them on a personal level so much more than the business side of things. It wasn't every phone call early on, you know, 90% of the call wasn't about business. There was some business talk, but there was also, Hey, what are you up to? How you feeling? How's family? You know, all that type of stuff. Or if they came into town, always making sure that if they were a restaurant, had a reservation for them, or if they were too tired to go out, made sure my office or myself knew the right manager to get food delivered to their hotel room. And there's little things that meant so much, I think is what really cultivated those relationships. Yeah, man, it's... And just to be able to kind of navigate through that while, you know, being on these opioids, it's, it's crazy to think about because most people would not be able to keep up that hustle while being in that mm -hmm. state. So uh, my next question is like, for anybody that like, even the word addiction, let's unpack that for people, because some people don't even know they're addicts, right? And there's like almost like a spectrum of, of, of addiction. You know, when I worked in the nightclubs and the bars, it was like part of my life. It was like entertain, entertain the guy, the other side of the bar. You know, if you got to go do something in the bathroom, you do it. Like, it's just kind of part of it. And it was crazy because it didn't seem like it was kind of, it wasn't like an addiction. It was just sort of part of it. And it just seemed like reality. And I think a lot of people, there's like a range of addiction, right? Where would you say that is? Like, can you explain to people at what point does something become an addiction and should they pay attention to it? Or is it just like something that they're doing? And even if they have control of it, at what point is it like, man, this is an addiction. It's not just 
you know, something that you're doing. But what I learned when I had my awakening after my second overdose on July 1st, 2008, which happened from my late uncle Stu and his then girlfriend Andrea, which was July 1st, 2008, she said to me, do you realize you're an addict that your life's unmanaged? But I said, yeah, she goes, do you realize your powerlessness? I said, yes. And she goes, do you realize disease of addiction does not discriminate? It doesn't matter if you're from Yale or jail or Park Hampton or Park Bench, it'll bring you to your knees no matter who you are. So, you know, those three scenarios and questions brought me to my knees to surrender. Then eventually I had my white light moment um, the next night because I was just so sick and tired of the double life, man. It became a full-time job to how to make sure I didn't go into a state of detox. I'm on Suboxone at this point, which was an opiate block. I'm flip-flopping on Suboxone back onto the real opiates for the last six months just to get a minimal buzz. And, you know, I, I fell on my knees in the bathroom with the last of my opiates in my hand and screamed out to God that I can't do this. I, you know, I need your help. Take the money, take the notoriety, take the business that I need a single day of freedom. And if you take me out of hell, I promise I'll take people out with me. And to me, it comes down to surrendering. It comes down to accountability. It comes down to taking an action. That night I wound up in a 12-step meeting within an hour after and put my hands up and told these people I'm sick and I'm suffering because I knew it took over. Um, a lot of people are in denial about it. And I told these people I'm suicidal, I'm sick, I'm suffering. And I learned about the five A's, which is attitude, adjustment, accountability, acceptance, and action. And I kind of rolled them up into a bowl and I started working on each one of those as I dealt with that, that inner trauma that I felt I dealt with that those inadequacies because putting down the, the drugs and putting the plug in the jug, that, that, that's a very small part of getting sober. Mm-hmm. Then you got to start doing the rope work. Then you got to dig down deep into your soul, into that, that empty, dark place that, that led you down this path because you will relapse. You will go back out where you will live a very miserable, sober life. And that's not good either. People just don't realize it doesn't just stop because you decide to not put chemicals in your body. So we don't get, we don't get addicted to the chemicals. People don't realize that you weren't addicted to the alcohol. You were addicted to the escape. We get addicted to the escape of reality. So we can numb our emotions and stay present. And that's what drugs and alcohol does for people like us. And, and anybody out there that's sober, that's listening, or anybody out there that's listening, that's struggling. That's what it is. You know, we don't want to deal with sense of self. We don't want to address certain issues. We want to numb. We want to just get instant gratification of relief on whatever it is that we're either currently going through or have gone through that we haven't addressed. Mm. And so true. And yeah, I mean, I can relate with alcohol. It's, it's, going back and forth it's like going sober and then falling off going sober and falling off and you're right it's like you got to go deeper and i'm i'm curious as to like what did that spiritual awakening look like like what did that deeper level look like like what did those layers look like that actually you feel allowed you to stay sober like what what did you what did you have to do like what level of depth I had to take myself into, you know, uncharted waters. And like I said, be accountable and stay connected to my spiritual brothers and sisters every day. And my sponsor, Steve, as a dear friend told me early on when I, I met him when I got sober, that you got an ego the size of New Jersey. He goes, you want a shot to stay sober. You got to beat the crap out of that ego and get rid of it. 
and you know, humility came into my life to, to realize that everybody else can be caught up into the life, the external life that I've built. That doesn't mean anything. You want to be impressed, be impressed by this journey of reinventing myself, finding self-love on the inside, building self-esteem for the first time in my life, not because I'm on private jets with Charlie Sheen or traveling with Hulk or magic iron on the plane coming back from a big speaking engagement. No, building self-esteem because I started doing esteemable acts to help other people, to let them know, I know where you're coming from and not in an intervention sort of way, but telling my story because recovery of mental health, but abuse based on attraction, not promotion. And the minute I started doing the work, one day it became a week, a week became a month, a month became a year. And my sponsor and biggest spiritual big brother, Steve Delaval, told me, you want to keep this gift, you better start giving it away to other people. What is, so what does spirituality mean to you? Is it, what, what do you, if you had to define it for yourself, is it developing self-love? Is it closer to God? What does that mean to you? I think, you know, self-love, believing in a higher power. Not everybody needs to believe in God. There's a reason why we're all here. There's a reason we've all been in some very potentially horrific situations where things could have gone sideways and they didn't. I think being of service is a tremendous part of it. Just in life, you know, if you're listening, because I know you have a great viewership, you don't need to be suffering from mental health and substance abuse. You want to get out of your own head, be of service that day. Be of service more. Reach out to a friend, a colleague, a business associate, whoever it might be, a family member going through a tough time. Watch how quickly, because you're a voice that can help them or a hand that can hold and be over there, you know, in a few minutes or an hour to help them out. Watch how quickly we get out of our own head. So to all these techniques that I've learned, it's learning that, you know, I'd rather sometimes feel all right than right. Even if I know I'm completely right in life over a potential argument, because I'm going to fall off that spiritual beam the minute I open up my big fat mouth. I've had it happen many times in recovery. I'm still not perfect. I'm a lot better than I've ever been. And uh, I'd rather stay in that place of peace. I'd rather say what I mean, mean what I say and not say it mean. You know, I'd rather try to understand people instead of Darren and his ego always being understood. And that's spirituality. That's living into a life of service. I'd rather focus on what I have rather than what I don't have. I think all those things are, are so key. So it's, it's a mix of a handful of things and being accountable along the way, knowing I'm not perfect. You know, my, my, my line that everybody loves is I'm not exactly who I want to be. I'm not yet where I want to be, but thank you, God. I'm not the person I used to be still a work in progress. I'm so much better than I've ever been. What are your thoughts on psychedelics in, in moving through that stuff? I, I think like I was with Mike Tyson at a corporate event a few years ago, and then I had Dennis Raman at his podcast we were talking about, I, I, look, I'm completely for the psychedelic and the, and the marijuana movement only because I look at it this way and I started you know, excuse my French, a shitstorm at my high school a couple of years ago when I got invited back because a lot of the mothers are going crazy over, you know, the kids with the THC babes and mm. the marijuana and now it's legal back there. Man, you give me two options if I had kids and I could ask you this question. You want to put your kids on a small dose of THC? You want them on Adderall, Xanax, and Valium, and antidepressants and bipolar medication? Not even close. Yeah. Not even friggin' close. close. And, and I think for that reason, I you know it's a wonder plan, whether people call it a drug or not. I mean, 
I just think there's so many benefits to live a better quality of life. Cause let's face it, people still have real ailments. They have real pain. They want to get off the opiates. They want to get through the horrific crippling anxiety and they don't want to numb out on benzos, exotics and valium, but they have no choice. They can't function without it. So if there's psychedelics that can rewire and sit certain parts of the brains that I hear about magic mushrooms and all these things. I don't judge anybody. Who am I to judge anybody? If somebody's in the the 12-step fellowship and they feel better being on Suboxone and they're not on the real stuff and your life isn't unmanageable, you're sober as far as I'm concerned. I just had to get off the Suboxone. If your life has got, your life is not unmanageable. If you need Suboxone maintenance and, you know, gotten into this Dr. Drew is a dear friend, that's my belief. I believe if your life has improved, if you become a better person, if you've become reliable, dependable, productive member of society, you're of service to people. I know plenty of people, whether it's methadone, suboxone, to me, they're sober because they have dramatically improved their life. And if they need that little crutch to not go back and reverse and put their life at risk and destroy everything on their path, that, that, that's my opinion. I'm, I'm not here to judge nobody. And for that reason, you know, getting back to it, I'm down with the psychedelics for people that need it. And I firmly believe that, th- that there's so many incredible health benefits, you know, with, with THC and medical marijuana. I mean, you know, many people that I know that are either on antidepressants, anxiety meds, they've been on it for so freaking long. It's either a placebo or what it could be doing long-term to, to, to your brain functions, your kidneys, your, you know, your liver and other vital organs. Stuff is it, it, it's horrific, you know, long-term. It's it's crazy, man. A buddy of mine, Justin Wren, you know, is a UFC fighter, and he was deep into opioids, man. And it just, yep. You know, it, it's crazy because you know if somebody has a surgery, and then they just, you know, oh, I just want to feel better, and then boom, it's like it takes over. It's scary shit, man. But it's 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 just it's fascinating to me how some, like what you had. You take it, and it's like, oh my God. And then you just go down this this road. And then yep. sometimes it doesn't do that for everybody. For yep. me, it's crazy to think about why some people are are more inclined to get that addicted to it. And some aren't. Yep. Yep. And it's like I take a lot of that. Honestly, I think that's a product of our environment growing yeah. up. I do both, you know, yes, yeah, sometimes it could be hereditary. I'm not a firm believer in that. I know plenty of people that grew up in a drug-infested alcohol-infested house that never went near any of it. And then yeah. I've seen others because they were so turned off and fearful from what they saw. It was so traumatic. You know, I just think it affects people differently. Drugs, alcohol, opiates. There's three things. People drink it, they feel sick. People drink it, they feel amazed to get an escape or, or take the drugs. They, 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 they can get an escape and they can stop. And they can do it in moderation. Then there's those that can take it. And it actually works for the effect of whether it's anxiety or, 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 or release of pain, relief of pain. And then there's people like me and most likely you that take any one of those things. And everybody's going home at night and I'm waking up the next morning with that fuse lit. And when that fuse is lit, all hell's coming with it. Nothing is coming before what I need to get into my system. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, man. It's it, how are you able to get out of this is pretty amazing too. And the courage that, first of all, it takes to admit that, and to be able to even speak to your clients and be like, "Look, here is where I'm at." 
that takes a lot of balls, man. Like, how was that for you? And how much fear, like, what did it feel like when you were like, man, I got to tell people this stuff? Because so I wrote up, I have the the courage to do that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my memoir, Aiming High, I I, I talk about, you know, with magic when it first happened about a year and a half before I actually got sober. He was at the W Hotel in New York City. And he just knew something was up. A couple things going on in my life. And his brother, Larry, is very near and dear to me. He's over 30 years sober. Um, you know, so he experienced it himself and he literally dropped everything. He was getting ready, heading out to do some media. And I remember just, he goes, Darren, you got to stop these pills, man. He goes, whatever's going on with these opiates. He goes, you know, it's no good for, for you, for anybody. I don't want to see something tragic happen. You know, you got to get your mind right, man, because, you know, this is a very dangerous road that you're going down. And here I am with one of the biggest stars on the planet kind of telling me this and it still took another year and a half and then hulk had to experience it with me i, I would say it must have been maybe five six months earlier where i was at his old estate that he had at miami that he eventually sold to michael bag and he walked into the bathroom it was early in the morning he's getting ready to do an interview that we booked for some big corporation and literally just caught me you know snorting some painkillers and so for me i just thought it was normal and here i am it's somebody i grew up idolizing it's here to so many for other, you got to be careful with that stuff and murder about you. And at that point, I was so just sick and broken that uh, I think it was easier for me to just talk about it and be accountable because I didn't know where to turn for help. I, I had so many people that were working for me, the embarrassment, the shame that only really outside of Steve Simon that ran my company, nobody knew what was going on. I'd be calling up everybody else in the office that I lit, you know, lit up the best that I could be because like I said, at that point, it was hard to really get high, high. But once I had that little bit of opening for a buzz, it was like the brain started working. I would delegate what I need them to do the next day. And I'd wake up the next morning in that funk. And most of the guys would be like, hey, what happened? So what you told me about, like I was waiting for that document or that email. And I didn't even remember, man, half the time that I was speaking about. And so many were taken back by the success, by the external sense yeah. that they're either thinking, hey, is he just going through a weird time? Like, you know, maybe he should just keep trying other doctors or maybe he's depressed. He, you know, might need some different medications adjusted. And me not having the accountability yet fully, I could do it with two of my biggest clients who I trusted as friends. I don't want to tell anybody. I mean, I'm on the phone, man. I'm my cordless phone back then or my cell phone with a CD, CD case chopping up freaking oxys and vicodins and percocets and i'm snorting i'm putting it on mute as i'm on the phone with you know my boy frankie the enemy's teenager my boy nikki c i'm gonna freaking tell them what i'm doing freaking humiliating these guys put me on a pedestal with everything that i've built i'm not gonna tell you what's going on at that point you know i'm just kind of going through the motions it was bad enough that steve in my office simon who i've known since i was 10 that to this day is the bp of prince marketing group Never did a drug in his life. Didn't drink. Never drinks. Didn't really understand what was going on, but he did have a day where he had to take me to the ER four times because I thought I was having a heart attack, not realizing I was going through detox. And, you know, those are people when you get sober, you make an amends. You basically thank them for being there for you because it, it, it's heartbreaking to see that they saw me at my worst, having no idea what the heck was going on. And then when I finally found my higher power, which I refer to as God, and the blessings started coming into my life, they all just enough to see me at my best. And um, they see that nothing comes before recovery. 
They see the lives that I've been able to bless through God's power and his words that he's put into my mouth, even to the podcast that helps save lives every single day and change lives every single day. Cause I found my calling. I found my, my pain through my pain. I found my purpose and, um, his whole plan was to, you know, align me with some of the biggest stars on the planet. So when I came through to the other side, like Hulk said, you asked for the blessing brother. And he said, now that you've come to me, correct it's time you become a blessing to so many others. Oh man, that's beautiful. And it's beautiful that guys like the Hulk were able to see the good in you and to be able to understand what you're going through and not just be like, man, get out of here and push you away. You yep. know, like, cause some of the people you were rolling with had probably seen a lot too. <laughs> they probably seen yep. a lot sure. of shit. Dennis Rodman, Charlie Sheen, yep. Hulk. Yep. I mean, he's there. Yep. That was a crazy time. Yeah. So they yep. were probably like, man, you know, because some people yes. go right down into death, man, right down into exactly. The exactly. Yep. And you know, I met Charlie. I started working with Charlie about probably nine, 10 years into recovery. And so he heard stories about me. I was in certain environments, but it's doing incredible now, man. We flew on a, a Jam Fleischman sent his plane a few weeks ago. We had an event in Salt Lake City with them. That's and, awesome. You know, I, just to be on the plane laughing with them and, you know, just being like, man, can you imagine if this was 15 years ago? And he goes, bro, because we would have missed the event. We'd still be in Vegas. And I was like, yeah, if we made it out that weekend and just be able to kind of like laugh about it, know that, you know, we're both in such a good, beautiful place and he's an incredible dad and he's one of the most gifted crossover actors, you know, we'll ever see in our lifetime. And so it's nice to have that, even though he didn't know the old me and, you know, Hulk and I would go out for drinks and party and whatnot. But again, he would wake up in the morning and be terrible. Hey, Hulk Hogan, do what he had to do. It wasn't me. Well, I'd be at the other hotel room, you know, preparing and getting whatever I needed in my system to do it all over again. And, you know, there was conventions where I remember magic would be in the back and sometimes I'd be on the floor acting like I had a splitting migraine when I just took something that wasn't agreeing with my system that day. And they knew at the end of the day, man, here's the thing. I think, you know, Chevy Chase and Janie's family are so near and dear to me and Rodman. They knew I wasn't a bad person. I was a sick person. Right. And there's a big difference. I always had good intentions. I made mistakes. If I made mistakes along the line in business, I always made sure I never made, made that mistake again. They were growing things. But they knew deep down I was a good person that, 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 that needed to get better. And through recovery and my life's work now, what they see me doing every day, my relationships have become bigger, better, more personal than anything you could ever imagine. I mean, Dominic Wilkins and I spoke two days ago and he experienced it with a family member and just said, man, because I'm just so proud. You know, it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life for the longest amount of time. You know, Jeannie Bust, like a sister, the Lakers owner, uh, Mark Cuban helps spread aiming high as well as Jeannie. And I could tell you, money doesn't mean much to those people. They're so established at this point. They, they've become such iconic figures in the world of entrepreneurship and sports ownership. You know, they'll have financial freedom the rest of their life, but to get the accolades and the respect and the love from them for this. I said, I can probably close the biggest sports and entertainment marketing deal in history. Nothing would compare to them in their eyes for what I do one day at a time, not just for my own journey, but to give it to the universe. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Your vulnerability is, is to be able to be vulnerable in a time and growing up in a generation where that was 
That's not what people did. Nobody was vulnerable and shared their story. And for somebody like you to be able to stand up and do that for people, man, it takes huge balls and huge courage to be able to do that. And what you're doing is you're giving permission to other people to do that. I mean, that, that is it. I mean, when somebody steps up and goes, Hey, here's where I was at, you know, this is the thing. And to go and be the real raw truth. It's what people need, man. It's the medicine into their soul is to like the connection of like, Oh man, it's like you see people and people see themselves in you. And then it gives them the permission to kind of do the same thing. And just hearing your story, I'm like, man, it's awesome. Cause the real strength is in the vulnerability. hundred percent. I tell people that all the time and we don't learn anything about ourselves in life when we're on top. Look, we go through it. I have plenty of weeks, bunch challenges, businesses off, things are going sideways. Personal stuff isn't working out. I might complain. I might, you know, be a little bit off, but. The one thing I've noticed is when I come at it, but whatever it might be, I'm bigger, better, stronger, more spiritual. Anybody could be happy when life is on top. It, it, it's those dark periods. It's the adverse times. You're in university of adversity. You know, it's those adverse times where the real growth comes from. Cause you don't just have the ability to go through those problems and go through those challenges. You have the ability to grow through those challenges and grow through those opportunities and become your higher self. So that's also why this connection is so important to recovery and, and mental health, because when life comes at me, um, I do have an emotional core that is a, almost an unshakable foundation because I'm giving so much and, you know, I can take as much as I can because in turn, I'm also putting focus on other people. And, and I've been through, you know, some terrible challenges, you know, I've lost Ali and Frazier in recovery. I've lost my dad in recovery. I recently lost my uncle Stewart a year ago. I've had a couple surgeries. I had a cochlear implant in four months ago that was challenging to my recovery and, you know, pain management, but I got through it and because, you know, of my faith and my network and my support system and having all the tools I need to get out of my, my own head on and focus on being of service in life. Yeah, man. Amazing stuff. What is, so for somebody that may need some help with maybe some action steps. What is your, what does your day look like? How do you get yourself set up for your day now, spiritually, physically, mentally? I mean, what does that look like when you get up? How do you program yourself for the day? I you know I basically, I have my list of things to do the night before in my calendar reminders, but it always starts with, you know, waking up and taking care of my dog, Rodney, my life. And it's going to be 10, September 10, September 3rd. And uh, we go for a nice walk, come back, eat breakfast, I work out. And uh, you typically, I'll do a little bit of a prayer for the day, thanking God as I do the night before for another day sober. And just thinking about the individuals in my life that need you no know, support or a phone call that I might've got from somebody that I got into treatment through my foundation or somebody through Banning Treatment Center, who I'm an advisor to, got 16 different properties and always keeping their thoughts in my prayers because that allows me to get at a sense of self and it allows me to not just be focused on me and I, it's able to allow me to focus on we and us and those out there that I know that are struggling, puts me in a different mindset. Doesn't happen every single day because look, let's face it, life is life. You know, something could go bad in the middle of the night on a business deal or a challenge with my mom or my sister or an employee or whatever it might be. But for the most part, you know, that that's the foundation. It's all about routine, I believe, for most people that are successful in life on a personal level and a professional level. It's basically doing the same thing in and out daily 
that gives you that structure that you need. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. And I think you know, we talked about <laughs> a lot on the show about routines and that I think it's, it's about just finding your own individual thing that you stick to and it, and that you work with right every day. It, what's, what works for somebody might not work for somebody else, but exactly. would you agree? It's just key to have something that you stick to, right? Something exactly. You do daily. You have to. And you know, Balance is important, I believe. Some people, you know, don't need balance and that's fine. That's what works for them. I, I, I still do need some sense of balance where, you know, my girlfriend, Nicolette, she knows the importance of me to check out and get alone time with her, my dog and her dog, Bash, whatever it is that that might be. I mean, every weekend that I'm home, it's, you know, the massage therapist comes by, the, the mani, uh, a mani-pedi lady if I need it, whatever I got to do to kind of recharge. So, I can make sure come early Monday morning, I'm ready for the week, not just for Prince Marketing Group, but for people out there that I'm trying to, to help through with this God-given message that I have. So what are your thoughts then about the entrepreneur, like the Gary V's where it's like, go, go, go till you drop kind of thing. Do you think that mentality when you're doing what you're doing contributed to that stress? Like, do you think if you had more balance back then that you wouldn't have felt as stressed the need to to dive into these things as deep like what are your thoughts on it now because some say it's good to have balance in, in entrepreneurship work-life balance some say it's bullshit what are your thoughts now if you can look back if you had to do it again would you would you just drive 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 or would you really work on balancing it out the spiritual side with the drive side I, I really never had balance back then, to be honest with you. So I don't think, I don't think it uh, would have made a difference. You know, for me, it was always about that internal struggle with the sense of self and having that confidence. And Gary's a good friend. I actually had Hulk at his office a couple of years ago. I saw him like, a couple of Fridays ago in Atlantic City. And I love that. I love his yeah. message and what he preaches. And David Goggins, we actually just booked him a couple of times for keynotes. And he always talked about balance <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. You know, and yeah, when you're a machine and when you're an animal, when you've done something in the military, no human will ever do it again. Yeah, I get that. And certain people are made up that way. I still do have a psychotic, relentless work ethic. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not nine to five. I'm up at three in the morning. I stayed at my girlfriend's last night. I was up at three thirty in the morning, texting, messaging ad agencies in England, Australia, different groups that were doing because of the time difference. I can't shut this brain off, but I also do know when I'm off that spiritual being where, um, kind of pulling away from the balance that I need because still, no matter how busy we are, Prince Marketing Group, nothing comes before recovery. Nothing comes before me being of service to other people. So I have to have balance in that sense right. where I have to be able to pull back, pivot, recharge for me because I can lose Prince Marketing Group tomorrow. You know, I can lose the money tomorrow. I always need to remember that I will be okay because I have the sense of peace and I found myself. So for that reason, I need balance. Mm. Yeah. When it's time to go, you go. And then when it's time to take care of the things you need to do, like the massages and like the self-care. Yep. Yeah. That, yep. that makes sense. It's, it's I'm leaving here right when we're done for a wellness treatment. I mean, I do whatever I got to do to, <laughs> to check out. I've got, um, I've got my life coach who's my NLP practitioner because there's, you know, every once in a while for people that are familiar with neuralist programming, you know, if there's still 
you know, stuff that I always want to work on and, and stuff in the past to kind of clear out in a meditation, more or less mindset, you know, stuff in my subconscious that could still be closing certain physiological facts to, to really keep working on those character defects, become better, become my higher self. Yeah. Tell us about, before we look at wrapping up here, more about Mission Matters, your new book. So Mission Matters, me, me and my boy, Adam Torres, uh, co-wrote a, a really great intro and a chapter. I was honored to be asked to be a part of it. I think there's about 15 other serial entrepreneurs that have all had tremendous success as entrepreneurs, but have also dealt with extreme adversity along the way. And, you know, I basically talk on, more or less what we spoke about earlier, that, you know, it's great to have that entrepreneurial success for me. I specialize you know, mostly in relationship building. I know that's been my superpower. So I'm teaching you in aiming high what it's like to have that superpower of relationship building, putting the first first rather than the business, doing things very differently rather than acting like a sales version to whoever that client is in that business world that you're trying to attract key for pain and really just developing that personal relationship and understanding that if it's meant to be, these little personal nuggets that you can remember and then you can take action with more often than not will get you to that success level in the world of entrepreneurship, but also be mindful of your mental health and the substance abuse disorder. Cause that's the other thing that comes with it. What do we want to do when life is going great? Most people want to celebrate. How are you going to choose to celebrate? How often are you going to choose to celebrate? You know, is it going out, you know, once a week with the guy friends, the girlfriends and having a couple glasses of wine, or is it something that all of a sudden you're doing it three, four days a week and you find yourself doing it twice a week by yourself when you're home alone at night, understanding that you got some issues. And if, if you're anything like Darren Prince was, you need to put a substance in your system every single day to fit in, to numb, to not think about life. It's time to become accountable and understand you're going down a very, very dangerous road and no amount of monetary success can fix that until you're accountable to understand that you got to call yourself out on your own bullshit, do something about it. Like I said, you're not just taking yourself down. It's a whirlwind that individuals in your life that are, you know, near and dear to you that come down with you. Well said, man. Thank you so much, bro. Good talk to you all day. This is, it's powerful. And, you know, thank you for showing up and doing what you're doing. This is, it's, you're giving permission to people, man. You're giving permission yep. to, to open up and share. So thank you so much, bro. That's what it's about, man. And thank you for having me. And like I always say, you know, you guys have a great platform and we can get to one or two today with it, which I have a feeling we are once you launch this thing, you know, we did the work that we need to do and yeah. I'm no better than anybody else. I said, if it were, I'm being pressed by the limelight of the stars, being impressed on, on what I do one day at a time to make myself a better person and send this message across the world that we're all dealing with something. And the strong ones are accountable. The strong ones ask for help. The strong ones put their hands up and say, you know, I got a problem here. And that's where the strength comes in. Yeah, absolutely. Where can we find you? You got your social media. Where's the best place? Yeah, so on Instagram, it's at agent underscore DP. Yeah. My personal website is officialbarronprince.com. My foundation website, which 100% of the proceeds goes to scholarship people for mental health and substance abuse is aiminghighfoundation.org. And then I always say before last, because it's the least important to me. Although my clients, are, you, know, you know, are very special is princemarketinggroup.com is the business site. And I'm on Facebook too under Darren Prince. So 
anybody, you know, reaches out, needs help getting scholarship or training, let me know. Anybody just wants to talk, my office knows, I don't care who it is. I always find time for even random DMs to get on the phone and try to talk with people that are, are, are willing to kind of say, I need help and, you know, whatever I can do to show you that there's an incredible life out there if you want it. And you don't need to live, do not need to live the way that you've been living. And that's what sets you apart. Just that, what you just said, beautiful, beautiful stuff, yep. man. And yep. again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. If you guys got value from that, please leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated. Or review us on Spotify. Also, we're available on YouTube. So if you want to go there, but subscribe wherever you listen to this or watch this. And it's greatly appreciated. Also, Darren's Instagram at agent underscore DP and all his information's in the show notes below wherever you're watching this or listening to this. And yeah, what a powerful episode. Like I said in the intro, it's really amazing to hear somebody's vulnerability like that. And it really gives people permission to want to share their truth. And, you know, I know that's how I decided to start sharing my stories because I felt like I got permission from certain people in the world that shared their story. And um, it's powerful. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate you. And yeah, let us know what you think. All right, much love. Catch you next time.